Welcome to Sex Unshackled. I am Becky Krepsley Fox, and this podcast is where sexuality and spirituality meet. Today on Sex Unshackled, I have both Lisa McKenzie and Kat Wilson with me. Both Lisa and Kat have lived with that vaginismus and together set up the Vaginismus Network. Kat started her blog, Hey Vaginismus, in 2015, with the aim of meeting at least one other person with vaginismus. She met Lisa and many more. Lisa is passionate about supporting others with vaginismus, and both ladies know how important it is to have a sense of community with others who can really relate to what you're going through. Lisa, Kat, it is such a pleasure to have you here today, and I am super excited to hear what you have to say. Can you kick us off by telling the listeners your experience of vaginismus and your personal journeys so far? Yeah, Kat, do you want to start? Okay, yeah. Um, So yeah, so I um, have had vaginismus my whole life, really. Um, I was officially diagnosed with it when I was 21, um, but I had signs of it from being a teenager. I've um, was never able to use a tampon, um, I couldn't get in, um, but also had a lot of um, fear and anxiety around using it as well, um, and that kind of spilled over into um, sex, sexual relationships, um, once I got a little bit older as well, it was just a lot of anxiety uh, wrapped up in that, um, but I saw my GP when I was 21, um, because I was unable to have any kind of penetration um, and I was sent to a psycho, not sent, referred to a psychosexual therapist. <laughs> Off you go. Um, yeah, said packing. Um, was referred <laughs> to a psychosexual therapist um, who kind of had a chat with me and it immediately diagnosed me with vaginismus. That was the first time I'd ever heard that word. Um, and from there on, really, um, I was kind of on and off dealing with it, sometimes dealing with it quite well. I was going to therapy and and trying really hard. And other times I was very much burying my head in the sand and avoiding thinking about it. Um, But when I was 30, so nine years after being diagnosed, um, I went to see another psychosexual therapist who um, was the one that kind of got me through the, um, the treatment really got me through the vaginismus journey. Um, and uh, I was able to do um, various, well, the treatment for vaginismus is vaginal dilators. Well, depends. If you're having psychosexual therapy, you will probably be given vaginal dilators as well. So um, working with her, I was able to use them uh, and eventually um, able to have a much better relationship with my own body um, and my own vagina because before that I was very disconnected from it. Um, probably completely disconnected from it actually so yeah that's in a nutshell really my experience with it. It's really interesting what you're saying about um, not knowing what vaginismus was even when you went to the doctor and I think that's the same with a lot of people who are experiencing especially women experiencing sexual difficulties because we've heard about erectile dysfunction we've heard about premature delayed ejaculation but a lot of people haven't heard of vaginismus I only heard of it as an adult and I didn't know before and if we'd had a bit of this education in sex ed or just growing up then many people might get diagnosed a bit earlier and start Mm -hmm. this journey 
before yeah 100 it'd be so think, different yeah and I think you know I always I went to Catholic school and I kind of off like attribute some of my vaginismus to that to that kind of really negative sex education um that I had there but actually you're totally right it's not just specific to to that to that kind of sex education it's in general like girls are not told to expect anything like that to happen you know you're it's almost the opposite you're told that you know if you have sex you will get an STD and you will get pregnant and you know nobody ever says actually if you try to have sex it might be very painful or it it might just not happen for you you know nobody says that to you so Yeah. yeah there needs to be work needs to be done I think around educating people better about these kind of things and you almost expect your first time to be painful because of the messages that you grew up with as well around oh you'll probably bleed and it'll probably hurt so it's just expected and you don't really question it yeah for sure and I think a lot of sex ed is about that right it's fear-mongering all these bad things will happen to you and you will get pregnant and sex the first time is going to really hurt so then you just don't know well could this feel a bit more pleasurable maybe if we got taught about foreplay it wouldn't hurt so much maybe if we knew about these sexual difficulties then we would have this awareness I think that's so important definitely Lisa me I know I cats um presented you with such a beautiful nutshell then so I was going <laughs> right back on my experience how can I be succinct um <laughs> I guess, like Kat, it's always been something that's been an issue for me. Um, I started my period when I was 16, tried to insert a tampon, didn't work. For some reason, I wasn't surprised. It's like I almost expected it to be difficult. Don't know why. Um, was 17 when I first tried to have penetrative I always try and say that word slowly penetrative <laughs> sex Kat and I always joke we're like we can't say it either um penis and vagina sex <laughs> um, so yeah we tried again it didn't work and I wasn't surprised um and I didn't deal with it for a very long time so that partner and I stayed together for eight years which I sound like a broken record every time I talk about it I say how did that happen because we didn't talk about the issue so we had a sex life in other ways I definitely overcompensated in many ways to make up for the fact that I couldn't give him this thing Um, but yeah it went on for eight years Um, so definitely had a massive impact on my life when we broke up I didn't talk to anybody about it Um, was very confused didn't have a word for the issue had a lot of shame and embarrassment and it wasn't until a good few years later that I finally started addressing the issue and I guess even though I always knew there was something going on I definitely buried my head in the sand um and it wasn't until I tried to have penetrative bloody hell (laughs) penetrative penis and vagina sex we just can't say it can we (laughs) um it wasn't until I tried to have PIV with (laughs) someone else and it didn't work that I realized okay this is not exclusive to that relationship it's something that you're kind of dealing with and need to address um started seeing a psychosexual therapist through that started using dilators and then gradually opened up to friends about it as well but it took a long time I'd say about 15 years 
didn't speak to anybody about it in my life. The only person I spoke to about it was my therapist. Um, and that was kind of towards the tail end of that. So yeah, it's, it's crazy thinking back to that. It's really yeah. weird. <laughs> Especially now because you're both so vocal about it. So it must be strange looking back and thinking, wow, I kept that to myself for such a long time. Yeah, we're basically making up for lost time, Becky. We just talk <laughs> vaginas all the time now. <laughs> I know. It's so, it's so true, though. And I remember, you know, the first time, and it was only kind of after, like, starting to speak to other people with vaginismus that I was like, I need to start speaking to my actual friends and family about this because that's, yeah. you know, this is such a massive part of my life and I've not told anyone. And I can remember building up so much and then actually speaking to really good friends about it. And they were... I mean, they were sort of surprised that, you know, that that had been going on for me, but it was more of a surprise or a shock of the fact that I'd kept it to myself, not this shock of like, oh my God, you have this thing. It was more like, how have we known each other for 15, 20 years or whatever? And you've never told me that, like, how could you keep that a secret? But, you know, there's so, there's so much shame. I mean, it's the same with so many of these kind of conditions. There's so much shame and embarrassment wrapped up in them and, obviously that's something that we're trying really hard to get rid of because you know it's we've learned how important it is to be able to talk about it and you know it, it makes me really sad now when I speak to other people with vaginismus who are like oh no one knows about it apart from you <laughs> you know and I'm like oh go and tell a friend go and you know because it's fine it's not yeah it shouldn't be embarrassing but obviously at the moment it is <laughs> you know there's not enough people know about it and you know so yeah so how does it feel to speak about this stuff kind of proudly? feels quite powerful um, because for so long, it certainly controlled my life. I felt you do feel broken. Everyone who's experienced it says that you feel like you're the only person in the world dealing with it. Um, and it had such a grip and control over my life that to finally break free from that and talk about it it feels so powerful because I'm in control now I control it it might always be there with me in some way shape or form but that's absolutely fine um so yeah it feels liberating yeah yeah totally agree <laughs> <laughs> and you both made reference to penetrative sex it didn't work so I'm wondering for the listeners if anyone's feeling like what is vaginismus my sex doesn't work what are your personal experiences of this not working? Mm. I mean, it's kind of, I guess it's, it, people experience it really differently. So like vaginismus, and this is another thing that we probably say all the time, we bang on about this a lot, is that there's not like a one size fits all experience of having vaginismus. Like it can be really different um, for everyone. Some people have, are, are unable to have any kind of penetration. Um, some people can have some. So maybe a, a tampon, a finger might be okay, but um, a penis, for example, wouldn't be. Um, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm at the opposite, where I'm like, okay, a penis or a big dilator is okay, but I still can't use a tampon. What's that about? Don't know, no logic. Um, but you know, and also people have different experiences in terms of, like Lisa and I both have primary vaginismus, so we've had it for all of our lives, but some women have secondary vaginismus, so it's, um, they've maybe had been able to have normal penetration, normal in inverted commas penetration, excuse me. Um, but then something's happened, there's been an event, something's triggered it, 
so things like sexual assault or or childbirth sometimes can trigger vaginismus kind of later in life although sometimes people have secondary vaginismus and don't know why either yeah. it can just happen um so yeah so it's, it's really different so I, I guess when we talk about our own experiences these are very much our own experiences and people listening if they have vaginismus might not relate but I think it's really important to say that that everyone kind of feels experiences it differently um, I think for me personally, it was kind of like what Lisa said about the tampon. It was there was a real sense of just knowing it wasn't going to happen, like you know, and I couldn't explain it, but I was just like, yeah, that's not, that's just not going to happen. And then when it when it was attempted, it was like, yeah, it was just like a, a penis against a brick wall. Like my boyfriend at the time, the first time that I ever tried penetration, it was literally like there was just nothing there. And actually, I was sort of going maybe I just don't have a vagina like you know you kind of people could be born with with you know with that with that's a that's a thing sometimes people don't have a vagina and you know and it was only because I have periods that I was like oh no I obviously do because it's getting out the, the blood is getting out somewhere so you know but yeah it just it felt like a brick wall and then as I kind of progressed with um treatment and was using dilators um I was able to um, insert things into my vagina but it was like extremely painful it was like burning mm. um stinging pain it was it felt like forced like it you know it just it just felt so tight um yeah so from what I was trying to put in um it, it kind of felt different but yeah a brick wall I think is a way mm. yeah and just for the listeners um a dilator is, if you're trying to picture what it is, it's almost if you picture dildos, basically, um, but they come in different sizes. So one might be around the size of like a uh, average penis and then smaller, smaller, smaller. So the smallest one is maybe like just a bit bigger than a finger. Um, <clears throat> so the idea is with dilators, you start with the smallest one or you might even start with a small finger and you gradually get the vagina used to accepting um, these things internally. So just in case the listeners, um, you guys don't know what we're talking about a little bit of information for you. Lisa, I'm wondering if you can share your experiences too. Yeah, I guess um, when Kat was talking through some of hers, I I remember because um, she said, you know, like Lisa, I, I, I expected it to be an issue. Um, I certainly felt that and I, I remember experiencing a Actually, I'm totally waffling. Can you cut that out? <laughs> I'm like, and Kat remembered this, and I remembered that, and I what are we saying? <laughs> Get it together, Lisa! Come on. <laughs> and he said, and she said, and they said. Oh my god! So one thing that um, Kat said made me remember. Actually, I went through a period of time where I. I genuinely was worried that something traumatic or bad had happened to me as a child um, and I'd completely blocked it out from my mind because I guess, you know, your brain is a powerful thing um, because I didn't have a clear reason for this. And I did spend a while thinking, my God, did something happen that I've forgotten about and did something sinister happen? But actually, I 
I don't believe that's the case at all. I've had therapy. I, I believe it's just that as a young girl growing up um, or any young person growing up, you absorb messages like a sponge, don't you? And in my time and still now, um, the messages that I picked up on were your first time is going to hurt, it'll be painful, there'll be blood. Um, and even though I didn't really talk about sex with family members or friends you still see these messages you're still exposed to them and I guess you know when you see sex in films on tv it just looks like the most natural easiest thing and happens lovely and um yeah and just so you have that kind of as your benchmark don't you and then alongside those messages around it will hurt first time I guess I think I just built up that whole picture in my mind and that's where the vaginismus came from um but yeah I I would say for me um psychosexual therapy definitely was wonderful because I hadn't talked about it for so long um or actually not even for so yeah with anybody um dilators were marvelous as well when I first started using them I was I felt so terrified I was ready but I just looked at them and I thought but how it's like Mount Everest I was like how <laughs> how is this going to happen but it's so empowering when you do actually work through them um it's definitely a case of sometimes you know, three steps forward, two steps back, takes a lot of patience and perseverance, but it's 100% doable. Um, so they worked brilliantly for me, but I'd say what accelerated my progress was finally talking to someone else who had vaginismus um, and realizing, oh my God, there's a human being who understands exactly what I'm talking about and has lived this experience. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of the cherry on the top for me. And that was a powerful piece. Um, there's obviously other ways you can treat vaginismus as well. And like Kat said, these are just our personal experiences. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say communicating and having that sense of community and connecting with others is really, really powerful and can really help with progress. Yeah, so talking about it, um, using dilators, is there anything else that you have experienced personally or you've heard from other people has been helpful to help the vaginismus? Yeah, so I've heard some people have used sex toys rather than dilators because dilators to them might feel a little bit clinical. And actually, if you go to a wonderful sex shop like Shush, well, we can't go there anymore, but if you look <laughs> online, um, they have some sex toys actually that are, are smaller than mm. some of the largest dilators so you could consider that as well and I know some people have used those I would say incorporate pleasure into dilating if you use it maybe use sex toys alongside it um, some people have had CBT some people have had um, physical therapy like pelvic floor exercises mm. breathing techniques um, I know some people, actually Rosie, who volunteers with us, um, had Botox. And I was really interested to hear about her experience because it's always made me feel really nervous, like yeah. injecting your vulva. Or, yeah, I just didn't like the thought of it. But um, it was really interesting hearing her piece. She's actually written a piece on it. Um, and it did help her. She was able to use 
dilators like pretty much straight away which wow. to her was quite radical because she hadn't been able to insert her little finger before mm-hmm. but what was missing from the piece was her mind wasn't catching up with the um, progress that her body had made so while she said it was effective in some ways she would always say people should actually have it alongside psychosexual therapy or some kind of talking therapy or something yeah. Um, so yeah there's lots of lots of different ways but um yeah, I think Kat and I are both common in that psychosexual therapy and dilating work. I always um, want to say, though, that I think I've been very fortunate with my own experience. Um, and whenever I say this works and this works, mm-hmm. I have to caveat it because I was put in touch with my psychosexual therapist through a friend. They just qualified. So it was low cost therapy when I was ready to use dilators, they put me in touch with, in touch, sorry, with Shush. I had a lovely appointment with the lovely Renee. It was all very, yes, it still took courage, but it was all very nice. And for some people, they don't have access to these things or they can't afford dilators. Um, So I'd always say, if you want to see a therapist, maybe consider a newly qualified therapist. Mine was absolutely wonderful um some therapists work to a sliding um fee scale as well um i'd also say with dilators shush actually sell theirs individually so if you can't afford them all at once you could buy them individually they also have a pay it forward scheme where people can donate um so that then they can give a kit away to somebody um and there's also some other sets out there that are quite reasonable so and summers um they're brand my viv sent me a set of theirs and actually i think they were worth about 20 pound for the three of them and they're very silky smooth and a little bit smaller actually which might be less intimidating so so there's options but i always say i'm very conscious of the fact that my experience was quite a nice one in the grand scheme of things yeah and I think it's really important what you're saying about maybe including sex toys because when I work with clients it's such an important piece of the puzzle to get the vulva ready for using the dilator or using whatever it is that you're going to insert and Kat it was making me think of you probably that's why putting in a tampon doesn't work as well as maybe something else because the vulva's just not doesn't have that blood engorgement it doesn't have that lubrication it's just not ready for it Mm -hmm. um so I think that's really important and what I've also been referring to clients recently and I don't know if you guys have heard of this I'm they're only recently in England they're more in America they're pelvic wands and they're created by women's physios so physiotherapists and it's over there so I can't get it but it's it's kind of this bent has a bent handle and then it's like um, a longer almost like a dilator but much thinner and the point of them is to do like trigger point massage internally in the vagina so it can be quite sore but for people who are able to insert something of that size you can kind of do like a clockwise uh, movement with the hand so it presses against the corners of the vagina and can kind of get rid of any tightness or tension there so that they were created or recommended by physios in America and I've recently started referring them to clients and they're another pretty good suggestion I think that are newly out have mm. you heard of them I I haven't actually but I'm going to add that to my list um, <laughs> yeah <'cause> it, <laughs> I'll, I'll send you I'll send you the link of the one Do. that I use so you can yeah access that as well sounds great I think yeah I think it's really good though because I think when um like when I was first diagnosed 15 years ago um 
there was just nothing like that. Like there was, yeah. there felt like there was only really one option, which was do what your GP tells you, which was go to psychosexual therapy, which was fine for me. And like Lisa said, you know, we've both had really good experiences of psychosexual therapy, but I think it's so good now that people have a lot of choice and people can try different things now. There's, you know, it, because we're not, we are all different and different things will work for different people. And actually, you know, not everyone with vaginismus is, is, is looking to get something the size of a penis inside them. Like yeah. that's actually not, you know, that isn't the be all and end all for everybody. For some people it is really important, but you know, for some people it may just be that they want to, well, they want to be able to go swimming with a tampon in or they want to just, I mean, I think, you know, and I think for me, so I'm going on a bit of a tangent now, but just it's kind of- We love tangents. I, think, I know, sorry. Just, we have so much to say about it, but I think, it's, you know, for me, it's like, like, as I was saying earlier, like I now can, ins- I, I have inserted a penis sounds very clinical I've had to pinch <laughs> my husband um inserted his penis um, I can imagine you darling come to the bedroom and put your penis in. yeah it's like come and insert your penis into you um you know but it's like that kind of thing now and people are like oh amazing great and I'm like yeah but you know what like actually we hardly ever do that when we when we're having sex we actually har- we don't do it very often because you know we don't try it very often because actually um for me I'm like I don't find it particularly pleasurable um I, sometimes it's not painful but sometimes it is painful and that's obviously unpleasant and for him that's unpleasant he doesn't want to cause me pain so you know we've we've kind of just ditched it um and our we ever since we sort of decided to do that we've been much happier and our sex life has been much better because you know now we, we know what what we like and we know what we want to do and we have like a huge collection of things to play with um you know that are so much more fun than than trying to just have PIV just for the sake of it because that's how adults have sex you know I think ditching that idea and redefining mm. what sex actually means is so so important because I think so many people once they get their head around that and understand that are like oh right yeah I don't I don't actually have to put myself through this pain um unless I really want to, you know, unless it's important, which for some, like I said, for some people it is really important, but for me personally, I'm like, I'm all right, I'm fine, you know, and luckily, like, you know, my partner agrees, it's like, it's just not, when that was part of our sex life, anxiety was also part of our sex life, and now that we've taken that out, it's like, oh, sex is just fun now, it's not, nobody's anxious anymore, you know, he would be anxious, I would be anxious, everyone would be anxious, the air was anxious in the room, you know, and now it's like, that's gone, and it's like, sex is about having fun now, which is what it should always be about, you know, so. I bet I your bedroom important. looks like shush, it's like walking into a sex shop. I mean, it doesn't, it's all, it's in, it's in a drawer, but you know. <laughs> On the shelf. But you know, yeah, but it's, you know, and I think that, again, it's like something like, if you'd said that to um, me and I'm, I'm sure Lisa probably agrees because I, I know that she also has a collection of sex toys. Don't try and just pretend it's just me, and Lisa. Um, I do not. I wouldn't do selection. such thing. <laughs> I think what's so cool is like back when I was much younger, like I would have said, "I'm oh, I'm not a sexual person. Like I'm not, you know, I, I oh, because of vaginismus, I would always have felt, oh, I have problems with sex, and you know. Whereas now, I think it's so it's really cool that actually a lot of people that I know with vaginismus have these amazing toy collections and have probably more interesting sex lives than a lot of their friends you know who who don't have vaginismus because you know we kind of have to experiment and try things and 
mm. play with things and and actually yeah like sometimes when I chat to friends about who don't know vaginismus I'm like sounds really boring <laughs> you know I'm like I do this and I tried this and you know so yeah I think it's 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 nice because I think you know if you'd asked said to me when I was really you know in my 20s you know you you one day will have a, like a, a good interesting fun sex life I would have been like no I won't never you know it's, a, <laughs> yeah. it's an anxious thing for me so yeah I think it's yeah. nice to turn that corner definitely so PIV is like one thing on the menu but there's lots of other courses and yeah I love that I'm wondering if you guys could tell us a bit about the Vaginismus Network so what are the aims um yeah yeah so the main thing we really want to do through our work is connect and empower other people with vaginismus um you know as Kat and I have both said that's made such a difference to us when we met each other we realized we're not alone with the condition um so we've connected through our body system um about 400 people worldwide with the condition um and we've had about 700 people join the network just through emailing in and then we've got a big um, community on Instagram as well so I think about 15,000 followers you know some are professionals like yourself um, but many are people with vaginismus and what's really lovely is people have connected with us and then have started to set up their own personal vaginismus accounts as well which I think is really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned the buddy system so that um, is such a wonderful thing to do. Um, and we had a message actually the other day from someone, um, Kat, I didn't tell you this, but Rosie, who volunteers with us, reached out and she said, oh, two people we matched up um, got in touch and they're basically best friends now and they go to each other's family barbecues and they've been away together and I was like oh my god my heart <laughs> a vaginismus pro um so yeah just empowering other people providing sense of community the buddy system we also host events so pre-covid we hosted a few events at um shush in london and cats <clears throat> also hosted one up in glasgow um they're also a really powerful powerful thing to do because i guess when I was kind of growing up um, with vaginismus, I would look at, you know, the likes of sex shops and think, oh, no, I'm not part of that. I can't get involved in that. But actually, Shush is so inclusive, welcoming, wonderful. And I think to attend one of our events and be in that environment um, can really help with someone's progress as well. Um, since COVID, bloody COVID, we've hosted a few online, but actually... I guess it's a pro of the past year because whilst in person is lovely, um, we're able to connect with people worldwide and connect with more people as well. So at our last event, Kat, I think we had about 280 people attending. Now that was a quite a Zoom nightmare a little bit but it was also <laughs> we kept getting little da -da 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 -da, someone's waiting um so, but that was wonderful because the reach is far um wider than what was possible before covid um we also really just want to 
give people the opportunity to have their voice heard because that can make a real difference as well so we have a blog on our website and we invite people to share their experiences it can be completely anonymous if they want it to be but that's also powerful because the individual finally gets their voice heard but also it just adds to the picture that Kat was saying around no two stories are the same no two experiences are the same it's a whole diversity of experience um, we also ask people if they're happy to speak at our events as well so giving them a voice in a different way and we've had some wonderful people from the community talk about their experiences at our events. Um, Kat and I um, have recently actually engaged with um, a university and we've talked at two of their events now to sexual health students, psychosexual therapy students, which is just wonderful because these are future sexual health professionals. And, you know, we're kind of sharing our experiences and it, it just feels like a, a brilliant thing to do. So we would love to do more of that. Um, I guess in the future, I would love to and I don't know how this will happen, but engage more with GPs and GP surgeries as well. So I always think, you know, if somebody's sitting in a waiting room and they're experiencing kind of some of the symptoms of vaginismus and or if they look up on a notice board and there's a vaginismus network poster or one of our postcards or something, or if somebody speaks to their GP and they're diagnosed with vaginismus, their GP could hand them one of our postcards and say, actually, alongside the treatment we've discussed, also connect with this community. Um, so I'd love to do more of that. I'm not quite sure how to. Um, and yeah, it'd be lovely to Kat's earlier point to do more in the sex education space as well. But vaginismus is one part of the puzzle, right? There's so much more to be done, but if we could play a part in some way, that would be amazing. Have I missed anything off, Kat? Just totally <laughs> I think you, no, I think you got it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. You guys are doing such, such amazing work. Yeah, it's so great. And I love following your Instagram posts and seeing the community really come together because it is so needed. So thank you for giving the vaginismus folk a voice. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like, hmm, not used to receiving compliments. How do you respond we, we to We don't this? take compliments. <laughs> right. like, no. I, I can tell around. your face you're like, know, do you like... have to respond? <laughs> I'm yeah. just going to leave the meeting now. Why are you saying, I know, like, why are you saying, saying nice, nice things? But I think, no, you know, to be, I mean, probably part of that is just being British. But like, I think the other part of that, though, is to us now, I think it's just a no-brainer. We're like, well, yeah. of course we're going to talk about it. Of course we're going to, yeah. you know, try and create these spaces for people. Because it's like, that's, you know, if that had been there for us when we were earlier on in our vaginismus journeys, um, that it would have been so helpful for us and it's that kind yeah. of you know if you want something done you've got to do it yourself <laughs> you know sometimes you can't sit about and wait for someone else to do it and I think you know for us it's yeah I think we have moments sometimes where we're like wow we made that happen but you know most of the time I think we're like well yeah of course we did because someone had to you know and it's it's yeah it's, it's a no-brainer really <laughs> people have I did like the tumbleweed after you thanked us <laughs> somebody speak somebody speak well that's something for you both to work on receiving compliments <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, so, must be better. <laughs> <laughs> it's been awesome to have you guys here today. Can you please tell the listeners where they can find you, how they can reach out to you and things like that? Yeah, so we are, most of our activities are on Instagram and it's at the Vag Network. We're also on Twitter with the same handle. Um, we've got a website, um, Vaginismus, or is it the? Is it the, the Vaginismus Vag- Network. <laughs> <laughs> Vagina something. Um, <laughs> the Vaginismus Network.com. Um, and there you can find all our blog blog posts um, and other information. There's a wonderful smear test guide by the um, psychosexual therapist Sarah Berry up on there as well um podcasts and it's also where you can reach out to us to be connected with somebody in the community yeah i'm going to post all of that on the show notes page it has been awesome thank you so much for coming thank you it's been really thank you for having us. <laughs>